It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for coming in, Mr. Mahoney. Do you have your member ID card? Yep, I have it right here in the FEP Blue app. See? Great. It's awesome. The app can also help me find a provider and keep tabs on my deductibles. Okay, can I... Oh, yeah, and my out-of-pocket spending and visit limits, and I can call the nurse line. I'm really glad it does all that, but I only need to see your member ID card. Oh, that's it? Why didn't you say so? Fearless is just one tap away. With the new FEP Blue app from Blue Cross and Blue Shield, you can access your health benefits on the go. Download it now at fepblue.org slash app. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good pocket field, deep throw, caught. Bryant, Des Bryant gets up and takes the ball to the one-yard line. For the touchdown. That's his 12th rushing touchdown of the season at 13th overall. And now the pass to the outside is juggled by Bryant, but he holds it in and gets to the end zone for a Dallas touchdown. The seven-yard line, they flex the tight end. Rudolph all the way to the left. Three receivers to the right. Bradford looks over the middle. And Bradford, oh, where was that? Ten feet high. Not even close. Let's see if Sam Bradford gets hit on the head at the end of this play. He's going to get his arm hit. There's a blow to the helmet, easily could have been called, should have been called. A blow to the helmet of a quarterback, definitely enough force. We've seen those called, and Sam Bradford begging for it. Tony Corrente did not see it. He said, no, nope, it was to the shoulder pad. It was not. Vikings once again on a Friday and once again the Minnesota Vikings lose a tight one 17 to 15 against the Dallas Cowboys and their playoff hopes are continuing to dwindle came down to a two-point conversion on the final decisive play of the game with 25 seconds to go there was officiating controversy we can get into that but I think probably more worthy of our time is getting into the other areas where Minnesota was not good enough. Many special teams blunders, many self-inflicted wounds, and the Vikings now in five consecutive games have led or been tied in the fourth quarter, and they've lost four. Not to mention they now don't have a head coach indefinitely. So we bring in Sage Rosenfels. There's a lot to unpack here, Sage. Uh, Last we talked, We assumed that Mike Zimmer was going to be the Vikings head coach last night. That didn't come to fruition. Before we get into the game, what was your reaction to the Mike Zimmer news? Well, it wasn't surprising, you know, earlier this year. I can't remember what game it was. I feel like it was after, right around when Norv, uh, you know, stepped down and resigned. 
uh, Zimmer had that eye issue, and and obviously it's something extremely important and something that he needs to, you know, get figured out. His uh, a person's vision is that that's no you know laughing matter. This is not a you know a a slightly torn MCL or something like that where you can you can be just fine with it. So uh, you know I think that. Prefer the the special teams coach did actually did a fine job with managing that situation. Um, I'm not sure if it had anything to do with it, but obviously the special teams did not play well uh, as he was trying to manage that that role as the head coach slash uh, special teams coach. Uh, but you know, I think for the most part, uh, he made fairly good you know decisions of when to call timeouts there at the end, when to challenge that play that Dak Prescott play uh, at the end of the game. I thought he did a pretty good job as his you know, first opportunity as, as being a head coach. Yeah, I think he did too. And I think it was the right choice to have him be the head coach. I wonder if Prefer had any say in anything that was going on in terms of offense or defense, or do you think he was basically focused on game management and clock management? No, I think he left those completely up to his coordinators, and I think he just uh, tried to pay attention to the game situations and the overall flow of the game. You know, when to call timeouts. Uh, you know, when to go for it. Um, you know, probably some motivational things, obviously, as as head coaches usually do. But I think he stepped back and and let uh, everyone, all the other coaches, do their jobs. Um, and you know, really, special teams wise, I don't think anything happened that was anything that the special teams coach could have controlled. I mean, at the end of the day, the punter has to punt the ball, and he averaged about 30 yards of punt last night, and and the Vikings just aren't good enough uh, to make mistakes like that. Their punter has to be on, their quarterback has to be on, the defense has to be on, everything has to be clicking right now for this team to win. And, uh, you know, there were certain aspects of that football game uh, which uh, the players just, just did not come through. So I, I think – so I think Prefer did a good job as, as a head coach, kept the whole thing together, but the players just didn't make enough plays and execute. Yeah, it was extremely ironic that the second the special teams coach gets elevated into that head coach status, suddenly the special teams implodes. And I asked Prefer about it in the post game, and he basically pinned it on three guys. He didn't speak for the whole unit, but he said that Adam Thielen made a technical error on that fumble in the fourth quarter where he stretched his arm out and Prefer said they tried to correct that. They thought they had, and then, as he put it, it reared its ugly head once again. And Thielen was not good in his previous return either. Then they've got Cordero Patterson, who looked uncomfortable, as Prefer said, and he fumbled there with just over two minutes to go and nearly cost the Vikings a chance to drive the field. And you mentioned Jeff Locke. Seven punts, a 32-yard average on those seven punts, and three of them had a, a very odd end-over-end spiral as if he was punting from the opponent's 40-yard line, whereas he was really punting from you know his own 20-yard line. Some very odd Jeff Locke punts that bounced in the wrong direction. He had a 16-yard punt mixed in there. He had a punt in the fourth quarter that led eventually to a Cowboys field goal to make it 17-9. So the special teams really, really let this team down, and it seems like, you know, number one, they miss Marcus Sherrills. I mean, he, he's, his ability to return the punts stands out so much when you compare him to the alternative. Give that man a four-year extension. 
Yeah, I agree with you. You know, Cheryl's is one of those guys. I like to describe him as a glue guy. Uh, he just sort of you know, keeps the whole team together, and and usually you want to have a team that has a lot of glue guys uh, that just seem to do the right things all the time. And and Cheryl's does so many positive things for this team that don't always end up in the in, in the scorebook and the stat sheet. But uh, you know, just catching punts, making the right decisions on punts. There's a reason. You know, Cordero Patterson's not back there generally on punts. Uh, it's 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 a it's a different talent, uh, and some guys are better at kickoff returns, and some guys are you know better at punt returns. They're very very different. You know, kickoff returns, you're catching the ball. Uh, it's generally just end over end. The ball's not moving around very much, and you've got about 30 yards before you know somebody. Uh, you know, from when you catch it to the, those first defenders, about 30 yards, uh, say, still down the field. Um, where at a punt return, I mean, guys are right on top of you, and you have to make you know split-second decisions of whether you should catch it, whether you should fair catch it, whether you should let it go. You know, all these things that happen. So they're completely different from a return perspective. And I, yeah, this team really missed you know Cheryl's last night. Uh, it's the whole situation is really too bad because. This defense played phenomenal uh, last night, and, and uh, they, they must be looking at that offense and those special teams and just sort of shaking their head because they went, they went up against one of the best defensive lines in football, probably the best one. Some people say it's the best de- – uh, I'm sorry, offensive line, the best offensive line uh, in the last uh, you know 15 or 20 years in the NFL. People have been talking about this offensive line of the Dallas Cowboys, and this Vikings defense played very, very well you know, throughout the night, all night. Uh, only made a couple small mistakes, uh, and, uh, but the offense and the, uh, the special teams very much let them down. The defense made Dallas look like an ordinary football team, and in a copycat league, I wonder if that becomes a blueprint for other teams down the road to figure Dallas out. I wonder if Dallas loses a game or two in the final quarter of the season but you mentioned the defense was phenomenal and I agree I I was hard on the defense after the Detroit game because it felt like they blew it uh, in the most critical portion of that game but there is nothing to put on the defense yesterday basically the Thielen fumble grants Dallas the short field and seven points and then a short Jeff Locke punt puts them in position to get three more and really the one thing you can pin on them is the, the blown coverage on Des Bryant and maybe the 30-yard Elliott run. But you know what? I think the Vikings offense was better than Dallas's, too. I mean, if you look at the numbers, the Vikings had 21 first downs. Dallas had 13. Dallas was one of nine on third downs. Ezekiel Elliott did not break 90 yards rushing. It, it was a terrific effort, I thought, by Sam Bradford. I thought he had conviction with the play action. He was the most mobile we've seen all year, even after taking a shot to the ribs at the end of the first half. But the Vikings, with self-inflicted wounds, just hijacked themselves with penalties in critical spots. I mean, I've got four of them right here. First half, Cordero Patterson, offensive pass interference, wipes away a huge gain, led to a punt. Alex Boone holds to wipe away a first down in the red zone. TJ Clemmings false start, Ruins another red zone trip. And then Jeremiah Searles false starts on the two-point conversion. So you've got four penalties right there that prevented the Vikings' terrific chances at scoring more points. I mean, they, they had four scoring drives in the game. If two more of those become touchdowns, we're talking about you know a 23-point output or maybe a 27-point output. The Vikings' offense moved the football. They just couldn't finish drives, and that continues to be the issue for this team. 
Yeah, that is the issue, and and Bradford uh, did play very well. I actually think that you know if they win that football game that we're all talking about and everyone's talking about, man, Sam Bradford really played well, and and in particular at the end of that game when he had a couple plays where he got out of the pocket uh, when there was a blitz and there was pressure or the run blocked uh, you know defensive lineman and, and he made plays uh, which we have not seen you know much him do that very often. So uh, he did play very well in the game. At the end of the day. It doesn't really matter how many first downs you get. It doesn't matter how many yards you get. Uh, it matters, you know, it doesn't matter how many, what's your time of possession. It matters how many points you score. And they scored 15 points, and they did move the ball better. They did so many things better, but the room for error is so small with this offense because they don't make, you know, deep plays down the field. They don't run the football that well. There's just a, such, a, such a small room for error in general on this football team, and those costly penalties at the complete wrong time, uh, they're just not good enough to make up for them. I mean, if they get in a, a first and 15 or first and 20 situation, you feel like, well, we got, they're going to run two or three plays here and they're going to punt. Uh, you, you almost don't have much hope whenever they're behind the eight ball or they're off schedule at all. Uh, so this team, this offense has to play perfect. It's got to find a way to score more points. Uh, Bradford is playing much better. He's he's getting the, rid of the ball. They're doing everything they can. They've realized they really can't run the ball that well. They can't pass protect for four or five seconds. They have to get it out of his hand. So he's very high completion percentage, which but not a lot of yardage. Uh, but they're you know trying to control the clock and control the ball and keep the ball in the other team's hands. But at the end of the day, man, they got to score more than 14 points. You just you're not going to win almost any games in the National Football League, in particular in a dome. Uh, versus a, a good quality opponent scoring only 15 points. So they got to figure something out uh, with this team. It, it, hopefully it's not too late. Uh, they'd have to, they think they have to win all their games the rest of the year just to have a chance to make the playoffs. Uh, it's, it's been quite the year, and uh, you know, we, we will see what happens. But uh, you know, you know, they got to score. they got to find a way to, to score more points. Yeah, sadly, the running game was actually pretty competent yesterday with McKinnon going for – Nine and 41. Asiata, six carries for 30 yards, including a 14 yard explosion for Matt Asiata at one point in that game. Vikings were 4.6 yards per carry yesterday, which I, I think is their best of the season, but they only ran it 19 times. And when you, when you don't have balance on offense, sometimes it's tough to sustain drives. And the Vikings drop back 50 times against 19 carries. That's not great balance. So, the offense clearly has its issues. There's no margin for error, and they committed far too many errors to win the game yesterday. But I think what's tantalizing about the Vikings is that they've now proved they can play with literally anybody just because of their defense and the way they can you know, occasionally control the ball on offense and get some first downs. They just can't work the ball down the field enough or connect, I guess, on those attempts downfield. The Vikings... We're trying for the explosive plays yesterday. They they looked way different than they did against Detroit. But I think we're starting to see some issues in the wide receiving core. Other than Thielen, there really isn't a guy right now who can get separation down the field. And even you know, even Thielen is not the fastest guy in the world. Charles Johnson, you know, drops a ball deep. Kyle Rudolph drops a ball in the end zone. Uh, you had a couple deep attempts that there was just no room to to fit it in. Treadwell was a little bit more involved, but he didn't make any grabs. Just tough to watch this Minnesota offense sometimes because they're trying so hard, and Bradford's putting the ball in good spots. He's not making mistakes, but you don't have a burner. 
you don't have somebody who's going to get behind the defense. And really, the only time Minnesota did that yesterday was when Jerk McKinnon tried to throw out of the Wildcat and nearly threw an interception. I don't know if it's receivers. I don't know if it's scheme. It's tough to say right now. Well, this is, you know, the, the running uh, the football yesterday was better if you go off of yards per carry. Uh, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, Dallas and a lot of teams now are, are playing a lot of more coverage uh, base defenses and allowing the Vikings to try to run the football a little bit just because they're not very good at it and and they're more playing for the pass and so I think their yards per carry is going to go up um, but at the end of the day they're not making those big runs you know you look back on Adrian Peterson's career and of course everyone thought Adrian would be the tailback this year and he over the course of his career has had just dozens and dozens of you know 40 50 60 70 year yard uh, runs, you know, big plays, and this Vikings team just—I can't—I feel like I can't tell you the last time they made, you know, two or three big plays in the game where there was a 50-yarder and a 70-yarder. It just hasn't—I don't even know if it's happened this year, uh, barely. So they just struggle to make those big plays, and it's nice to be able to work the ball down the field. But at some point, you got to have some athletes who can just take a, a slant or take a hitch and take it to the house. I mean, the good teams are doing that you know, every single week, uh, and they just they just can't. They don't have the ability to do that right now. Uh, you know, the, the receiver core doesn't have those big playmaker type of guys. They've got, you know, good possession receivers. I think Thalen is that. I, I think that, uh, you know, we, we all have Stephon Diggs and all the things that he can do, but very rarely does he, you know, take 170 yards to the house. And, uh, and obviously Treadwell is, is a very big disappointment on this team. Um, if, if any team needed – you know, a first-round rookie to step up uh, and, and have a big impact on their team. It was the Vikings with all the injuries that they had this year. And uh, and plus the receiver position was a weakness going into the season. So the fact that he has done very little throughout the year uh, is, is very worrisome uh, because this team needs playmakers at the receiver position, at the running back position. And uh, we everyone was hoping he would be that guy going into this year. And obviously he hasn't been, at least so far. So... Uh, disappointed. They need more big plays. They need more points uh, because we're wasting right now some really good years uh, by this uh, impressive Vikings defense. Locked on Vikings, Locked on Podcast Network, Sam and Sage. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Audio Boom. Also listen on coldomaha.com. We have some other great partners. Draftbreakdown.com, today's pigskin.com. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. Now, let's get into the controversial aspect here. Brian Robison ripped the officials after the game. He said that he's sick and tired of NFL officiating and that something's got to change and that the Vikings have been routinely, not just yesterday, but routinely getting held like crazy. And he's also very upset about the non-call on the two-point conversion attempt. If you missed it, Sam Bradford gets clubbed in the helmet slash face mask. It, it could have been an illegal hit to the head. It could have been a face mask. And then apparently the official told him afterward that he didn't get hit in the face mask when video evidence would say otherwise. 
I think there is a little bit of reason to be upset just in the fact that the official obliviously claims that there was no penalty when there probably was a penalty. That being said, number one, don't fall start when you're at the two-yard line on the two-point conversion. Secondly, TJ Clemmings also probably false started on that two, that second try, so that kind of offsets. And third of all, you still have to convert it from the, what, three-and-a-half-yard line if they do call it, and you have to win in overtime. So there's a lot of what-ifs there that it, it's kind of a, a circular thing where if you play that game, it, you're always going to be angry. And I think these things just kind of even out, don't they? Well, this team has lost, you know, six of the last seven games. I think there's a lot of frustration, and in particular, I, mean, I was frustrated on that last play. I mean, that was a very obvious hands to the face. That wasn't a, a graze of the a face mask or a helmet. I mean, that was a hand right in, in Sam uh, Bradford's grill, and there was an obvious penalty. But, yes, at the same time, you know, you make your own luck in this league, and not all the calls are going to go your way. And the very, very good teams, the teams that go on and get into the playoffs – uh, you know, they, they overcome, um, you know, situations like that. You know, the Vikings should never even been in that situation where they had to go for two at the end of the game to try to tie it up. They, they played well enough defensively uh, that they should have been up by a touchdown, you know, going in, you know, going into the end of that, uh, you know, fourth quarter. So you sort of make your own breaks in that league, and, and a lot of times those bad calls balance themselves out. But that was an obvious bad call, and to me it doesn't make a lot of sense. That official... Now, his main job, uh, you know, is protecting the quarterback, is watching the quarterback after the ball. You know, once that ball is thrown, he's not looking what's going on down the field. He's looking at the quarterback, at the D-lineman, offensive lineman, to see what happens there. And to me, that was a fairly easy call to see. I'm not sure how he missed it. And you look at the calls that are made in the league with other quarterbacks. You think back to the Hail Mary game with Aaron Rodgers last year in Detroit where they just grazed his face mask and they call that for sure. And I get the frustration. I get why Robison, a guy whose career might be, you know, in his final years, he wants to win now. And to put together the performance that his unit did and not get rewarded, it's frustrating. And, you know, the other part, too, is that you've got guys in there like Xavier Rhodes, who really has nothing to apologize for, feeling like they need to accept blame, like the defense needs to put this on their shoulders. But this is not one of those times when you need to fall on the sword the defense was great. This falls solely on the special teams and the offense. It really does. And, you know, at the end of the day, if we look back, you know, through 12 games right now, if the defense and special teams don't score points, uh, which is, you know, you never really do expect defense and special teams to score points in the ball game. But if they don't, the Vikings have pretty much lost all of those games. The, the games they've won – is when, you know, Sheryls returns a punt or when the defense gets a fumble uh, return for a touchdown or an interception return for a touchdown. They haven't won too many football games by just straight up playing solid defense and playing good offense and playing good special teams and just being a football team. They've needed their defense to score points like, like an offense, and that is impossible to rely on uh, for an entire season uh, for, to, to get 10 or 11 or 12 wins to get into the playoffs. Uh, it's just impossible to do. It's not fair to this defense, uh, but they probably have such an expectation for themselves that they feel like, you know, sort of like the Ravens of the late 90s, that they may have to go out there and just win football games by themselves uh, and, you know, not really worry about what the offense and special teams does and just find a way to win it, you know, completely by themselves. But that's not the way football is. It's a, 
it's a three-phase uh, sport, you know, offense, defense, special teams. Coaches say it all the time. Uh, you can sometimes lose one of those phases, but you usually can't lose two. And I think, you know, if, if you, over the course of the season, and last night was sort of a microcosm of the season, the Vikings lost two of those three phases, and, and I've lost now six of seven. Time for our weekly day after game segment. Uh, it's not Monday morning quarterbacking today. It's Friday morning quarterbacking. We will second guess an item from the game that if it goes differently, maybe the outcome changes. I'll steal two of them from you, Sage. So hopefully you've got a third kind of in your arsenal. Number one, Kyle Rudolph dropping a touchdown. If Kyle Rudolph catches that, I think the game becomes 12 to 7. Vikings have a chance probably to move it to 14-7 with a two-point conversion, and the entire trajectory changes. That's a play that he's got to make, and I know that it was a tad behind him, and he was in some traffic, but it was a well-thrown ball. When you're a team that rarely throws into the end zone, you need to make those catches when the ball is thrown in the end zone, and Kyle Rudolph let it slip through his fingers. Number two, I'm looking back at this two-point play, and I'm watching... Bradford's eyes and he's in the pocket there. He's kind of looking at Kyle Rudolph in the back of the end zone. And obviously he ended up throwing it over his head. I'm watching Adam Thielen. He's cutting across the field on a crossing pattern. And the Cowboys linebacker, Sean Lee is setting a perfect pick on Thielen's guy. And Thielen's got about two, three yards of separation heading to the left corner. I think if Bradford goes Thielen's way and leads him properly, Thielen probably gets to the pylon and scores the two. It's easy to say when you're looking at a freeze frame like I am. It's happening much faster than that, obviously. But I think it would have been a better bet than throwing it to the back of the end zone to Rudolph. You know, that was the same play they scored on earlier in the year when they hit Rudolph in the back of the end zone. Really, that's a concept where you have usually a big, tall receiver. And in this situation, it's Kyle Rudolph, a tight end. But he sort of... <clears throat> runs a deep in route uh, from to the back of the end zone, and you can just sort of sometimes just throw the ball up to him. If the linebackers and safeties, you know, uh, drop too deep in the end zone, they drop four or five yards in the end zone and and can take that away. That's when you hit that underneath route and and fail. And so you know, it's uh, it's one of those sometimes there's those situations where you have luck with it in the past, uh, and uh, you hope to have the same luck in the future instead of just going through your read. So I, I agree with you. I think that was possibly a missed read there. I think Thalen was the guy to go with that ball. It's hard to not throw the ball in the end zone uh, and throw the ball, say, you know, on the four or five-yard mm-hmm. line and, and hope that guy runs into the end zone. Um, it's, that's always a tough thing for a quarterback to do in that type of situation. You want to give a guy a shot by throwing it in the end zone. So um, I think for me, I'm going to go big picture uh, as far as second guesses. And my big picture goes back to the off season. Uh, Treadwell has, has not come through at the receiver position because his team really needed playmakers, uh, and he has not become that player. And their you know, inability to, to rebuild that offensive line with players that have retired uh, or left over the course of the last few years. Obviously, we weren't expecting both tackles to go out uh, for the year in the first month of the season, uh, but I think they made some mistakes and not – um, really doing whatever they could to shore up that offensive line, whether it be draft picks, uh, but probably more in free agency. Uh, they obviously let uh, John Sullivan go. Uh, Phil Lodholt retired. 
Um, and that offensive line has been a struggle the entire year. And you, you have two teams here. One of them is, is obviously on the rise, the Dallas Cowboys. They've won was 11 in a row now, and, and, and the Vikings have been uh, you know, losing a lot of football games. And you look at both teams, the easiest thing to compare is the offensive line. One's one of the best in the league, and one's one of the worst in the league. So you know, my second guess really goes to the offseason, and hopefully that's something that coming up here in the next uh, couple months – uh, the Vikings brass spend a lot of time trying to figure out. So the Vikings are six and six. They are back at 500 for the first time this season since they were zero and zero. They have to win out and they need Detroit to lose three of their final five. The Lions play New Orleans on Sunday and the Vikings will have to start getting help then. I think if Detroit can beat New Orleans, that just about unofficially seals this thing. The Vikings would require a lot of help to get a wild card spot. Their best bet is probably just hoping the Lions falter. So we'll see. I don't think it's over yet. I think the Vikings have an easy schedule the final month, but have they dug too big a hole? We'll find out in the coming weeks on Locked On Vikings. PSA quickly here. The Vikings do not have any media access until Tuesday. The Vikings are taking a mini bye week because of the the 10 days off here. They will be off, I believe, during the weekend, or at least there will not be any practices held. We'll see about Mike Zimmer's health on Tuesday. We probably will not get an update, though, until then. So for now, he's Sage. I'm Sam. Find us on Twitter at SageRosenfels18 or at Sam Ekstrom. This has been Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. And have a fantastic weekend, everybody. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. Hey, Locked On Minnesota listeners, this is Tony Abbott here to tell you about the brand new Locked On Wild podcast, where my co-host Joe Bully and I break down the Minnesota Wild every single day. How can you listen? Just search for Locked On Wild in your favorite podcast app and subscribe to bring Locked On Wild to your device every day.